0: Hello, welcome to Chaos Cure Podcast. You're actually here with a special guest today, so it's just me. Usually, Jeffrey Fried is with me. Um, today, I wanted to discuss something that I deal with personally, uh, which is OCD, and um, this is something that I personally was diagnosed with and still deal with. It is it stands for obsessive compulsive. And then the D word, which I just do not like, disorder. So obsessive compulsive disorder. So OCD is something that a lot of people hear about, talk about, um, even joke about. And uh, I want to talk about some of the misperceptions. And uh, so my, my guest that I have with me is my mom. And the reason why I have her is... She and I both suffer from some of the same anxiety issues and she can kind of give some great examples about what it was like to raise a child um, who dealt with it. Um, So I'm going to ask you right away. So um, Jean, tell me a little bit about what it was like trying to raise me um, from The the people listening know I had bipolar and some other things as well. So, if you can pinpoint some of the things that you see now and you can recognize as being um, part of my OCD or anxiety.
1: I wish we had known the information that we have now. Life would have been completely different because there would have been understanding. I see now that if we don't fold the dishcloth just right. It bugs me, but it also bothers you. Or if um, the, the timer is off and we don't do dinner quite right. And it's little things like that. It's very important to us, and certainly to me, and then my husband and my daughter just blissfully keep going and could care less. So it's very interesting to see how they feel and how Kirk and I both feel. And I do not believe that you can contradict this, Kirk. I don't think that I have OCD to the point that you do.
0: I would agree. Um, you know, it's there's certain you know things that uh, I mean, technically, OCD is going to present in so many different ways and in different people. There are some similarities. So you know, one of the things that you do have that I would love to to jump back to. Um is when you say you know OCD, a lot of people assume it's germs or consistency. There's a lot of things that people don't talk about. And one, so I'll actually throw this back at you. And of course, I'm not uh licensed to practice medicine or diagnose, so this is kind of more playful. But if I threw this question back at you and one of the more common things with uh, OCD, and I definitely have this, is the inability to relax. I can't stop working. So if I'm on vacation, I have to work. If I try to say go to you know, a friend's house, if everybody's sitting down relaxing, I almost feel a need to go clean something walk over, wash dishes, just do something. That inability to stop and just let things be is very common with OCD. That's um, something that I struggle with. Now, if that were the only defining feature, would you say that you'd probably have it? Oh,
1: without a doubt. If we go over to our friends for Thanksgiving dinner, I would much rather be... Cleaning up dishes after the meal is done and sitting there, chatting.
0: Is it it now? The the main thing, and we want to make sure that we tell everybody as we go over this. You know, you want to speak to your healthcare uh, and mental healthcare professionals so that they can determine what you are dealing with because OCD oftentimes can look like um, generalized anxiety or social anxiety. Um, and oftentimes like the explosions, um, that come out with, well, you know what, actually let's jump back to something earlier that you said at the beginning, you said you wish you would have known earlier. Cause there would have been more understanding when you said that I instantaneously thought back to all the explosions that we've had and how we actually deal with our younger ones in our family now. So can you talk about what you meant by there'd be more understanding?
1: I think instead of being impatient when, um, well, like with one of our little ones, if she wants, she must absolutely do three or four things before she goes to bed positively and she cannot miss them. And you were much that way. And I'm going, oh, come on, you're just fine. And now I look at it and I'm going, okay, let's get it done. Can we do it in a more streamlined fashion? But I understand it needs to be done for you to relax and go to bed.
0: That's um for anybody listening that has is dealing with a child that has OCD. Uh, patience is absolutely paramount. And that was a perfect description. So oftentimes with OCD, people get into patterned type behavior. For me, it's it's always based around, you know, um, I, I like to have something that is consistent. Well, I don't like it. I just don't function well when there isn't consistency. It is much harder for me. So routines oftentimes are missed. Um, a perfect example is Howard Stern. He is a, was diagnosed with OCD and he was very forthcoming with it. I didn't know about it until he was on a show. I believe it was with David Letterman. Um, and he was talking about how he would have to go across and he would touch each record. As he went through his house, like in the things that he did, he never thought were abnormal or odd. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting about that comment and the reason I bring it up is that a lot of times when somebody has, say, a, a pattern or a routine that they need to do, you just brought up a great one. So child needs to get to bed. They need to line up all their stuffed animals in a specific way or they need to listen to a certain music or have something set up. When that gets interrupted it leads to frustration, anger um, a lot of times explosions as well and then the once the routine is fully broken it's hard to recover from and oh
1: it's almost impossible it truly becomes a disaster
0: there's um our when you when you look at that the reason that's such a great explanation or I guess example is that if you look at those two different things so one you have Howard Stern walking by and touching all of his records doesn't hurt anybody doesn't mess with his day doesn't throw him off then you have a child who needs to go to bed or maybe a child who um, you know has to eat a certain food each day and you send him to school and it, it's when it starts affecting your life and you're not able to function that it becomes typically diagnosed. Um, but a lot of these things, um, like you said, catching things early, absolutely vital for, you know, anybody that's listening. If you're looking back um, and, and this would be interesting from my person, like my perspective too, um what were some things that might have pointed you towards you know seeking help for and and let's make this a little more simplistic since neither one of us are licensed to do this but can we talk just about some of the anxiety or maybe some of the pattern behaviors you see that would fit the OCD diagnosis that might help parents kind of just register again not that they their child has something we're not trying to diagnose but maybe that would help them see something that they can go talk with their doctor about?
1: Well, I think of, and I think it's a pretty decent example. You loved Legos and um, you had, I think it was the pirate ship. It was like 5,000 yep. pieces and you would not go to bed until it was put together. And that was, just that was the way it was going to be you could not stop it and the
0: inability to stop that's a good oh, one.
1: it just and i mean it was i would guess i think it. i you correct me because you know that historically leonardo da vinci was that way i think his mother slid food under the door because once he was working he refused until it was finished, or he felt like it was finished. He refused to leave.
0: I remember hearing this story. I'm trying to remember if that was Leonardo da Vinci. I'll have to look that up. That sounds, it for the obsessive part of it, that is a perfect example. So, and the reason that this is so important to talk to a, a healthcare provider and get the correct diagnosis is because this is not just found in only people with OCD. I you do see it in things with ADHD, you do see it in people with just overall anxiety, even um some uh, autistic little ones that I work with, once they get started on something, you know, pulling them away from it is like like torture. So I, I want to make sure that I, I talk about what that part was for me because you mentioned something that um, it is nice for parents to know. I was absolutely, again, the right word, obsessive and compulsive. So I, was, I would get obsessed about something. Now, that would typically be maybe a project. You mentioned Legos as a perfect example. For me, once I started thinking about it, That thought would not leave until it was completed. In fact, if I wanted to let's say if I saw something that wasn't even out yet, I would look at it every day and I would wait and wait and wait and wait. And it was again (laughs) obsessive. Yes. There's a huge difference um, when, you know, a a child what doesn't want to stop playing their video game. Or, you know, and then it's a whole different one when I remember one particular time where, you know, my gaming system wasn't working. And so I just started fixing it, taking it apart. I literally couldn't stop until it was functioning again. Those are, those are very difficult things for me to handle. Um, what, you know, what are the things that um, you see us doing now with our little ones that have so many similarities? i think probably
1: well i think probably more pertinent for everyone today would be the phones the ipads the video games i cannot even express how many times and students and family alike how many times i cannot put my phone down right now because I have all of these reasons I am not to the right spot or I have not finished this battle or I have not obtained the fabulous sword that I'm looking for. And I feel like, okay, your hands are going to be bloody by the time you get this done. And let's skip lunch. Let's skip dinner. And I can't do it. And it becomes harmful. And I think that's probably a great way to look at it. Because happily, some of the kids say, okay, no problem. Turn it off, put it down. And then on the flip side of that, it's almost scary.
0: The inability to stop. Your your reference towards... Um, hands being, you know, um, right. bloody is is way more on on par. And this is the serious side of OCD that no one ever talks about, and it it's frustrating for me because people will um, say, you know, I'm really organized. I'm extremely OCD with how I my handle my work, or I'm extremely OCD with my house. They use it almost as a as an adjective or a verb. Um, uh-huh. and the, it, it, I'm used to it by now so it doesn't offend me but it shows that there's, uh, there's the true lack of understanding of how severe it can be so to give some listeners some examples some of these obsessions and compulsions are not wanted they are not something that I want in my head they are not something I want to deal with I don't like stressing out I don't like having one thing offset my day and then literally the whole day just feels like it's absolutely destroyed because of one small detail. That is not fun. Um, Oftentimes there are things like thinking about harming a loved one and it's not anything that they want to do. It's not something they, they are going to do, but the thought pops in and it becomes an obsession and a compulsion and it, it, it actually even sometimes builds up, you know, to depression and self-loathing because they go, "Why am I having, you know, um, sexual dreams about somebody that I'm not supposed to, um, or physical violence about some somebody I would never want to hurt?" And these kind of obsessive and compulsive thoughts are extremely unwanted. They're extremely powerful. And um, a lot of people don't understand the severity of it. So when it's downplayed, and if you do use that word flippantly, and you are not diagnosed with it, it's nice to know that the people that are dealing with it probably don't appreciate it. Um, ag- again, it's not because I want ownership of that. It's just that it's much more serious than I ever hear people talking about. And I agree. I
1: totally agree,
0: and I know it's more prevalent. Um, we know anxiety is way more prevalent than ever before, and so you know the the main thing that I wanted to uh, you know talk about a little bit, and what Jeffrey and I try to do is show how so many of these things have similarities. So, someone who has just generalized anxiety is going to feel w- the same kind of worry all the time. Um, there are so many similarities between all of them. That's why you need to, of course, communicate with your family. Be patient with yourself, and you know some of the things that have helped me. Um, that I I'm trying to think of a list of some things that have helped me. One, trying to be more graceful with myself. So if I do miss something or I get off on my schedule, I try very hard just to, to to reset myself so if in the past i would say oh the day is ruined now my approach is okay i can turn this day around i can turn this day around and i keep focusing on that that is super helpful for me breaking patterns when when it's possible it is not easy for me to break patterns and when i am able to if i can stay consistent with that That is very helpful if you have a child or a sibling or a loved one with OCD and they are trying to change their pattern, you're going to notice some grumpiness because it's it's very difficult to change those and it's traumatic. I think a
1: lot of times if you can change the scenery, if you can do something unexpected, let's go out and I bet you're hungry. Let's get a hot dog get in the car, get out of here and change the scenery. Or if something's not going right at the swimming pool, you know what? I bet you're tired. Let's go shower and let's figure out what we want to do for the rest of the day. And I've noticed that sometimes if we can change things up, even teaching piano, there we see frustration. And I don't think we see it quite as often because we only have our kids for 30 minutes to an hour. But a lot of times there's that huge frustration. And I'll just say, you know, I absolutely hate this song. I think we should try a different one. And you can see the relief in their face because suddenly they've gotten permission that I don't have to do this.
0: You know, with the the permission to be upset is that is probably the most vital part. So um, there's a few things you mentioned that I want to just bring up one being aware. So when you see your child is distressed and you cannot for the life of you figure out why, you know, be gentle, speak to them, ask them why they are upset and then listen with an, open mind the biggest problem i see is i often run into um, parents that say listen this is what my child was diagnosed with by his, his psychiatrist and um this is what happens and oftentimes my advice is to like okay so just what you just said um the parents not all the time but quite often that are neurotypical and they don't understand what their child is going through, they get very upset, not at me, not at the, the child, well, maybe more at the child, but they get frustrated at this situation because they say, this doesn't happen in real life. In real life, you're gonna have to deal with this boss. In real life, you're gonna have to do your homework. In real life, you're going to have patterns that are broken. So there is that argument that yeah, life is, is going to throw you a whole bunch of curveballs. And yes, I agree with that statement. My issue is that if we study the brain and we see how our brain develops and how we can shape it, we can train our mind through neuroplasticity. So if you're young and you deal with whatever mental health crisis that you're dealing with, and you do it appropriately, you give yourself tools and you empower yourself. If you say, listen, my child is you know 11 and it's about time he learned what real life is like, what you're doing is you're like, bombarding the individual, this little child that honestly needs some guidance. They need to figure out how they're going to work in a world that doesn't understand them. And so I get very frustrated when I see You know, parents or teachers or people in a position of authority come down hard on some of these individuals because they say this is what life is like. And when you're young, when you're little, that the incorrect advice, the incorrect push, one that is unnecessary and also not necessarily even efficient or effective those can cause a lifetime of damage if you're if you're gentle if you are more patient in you know in 6th grade 7th grade 8th grade it's not the end of the world if they you know had to get something done you know got totally off track forgot to turn in a homework assignment And part of that is, and I I would like to throw this out there, most people with OCD also have anxiety issues. So when they mess up, they already punish themselves. They're already yelling at themselves internally the entire time. So when you bring it up and tell them and remind them how horrible they are, they just feel it more deeply. So the patience is something I absolutely advocate. I think communication between parents, teachers, and the children that is respectful and open-minded is very important. And we are living in a world where we actually have options. The traditional school system is phenomenal for linear and sequential thinkers. Step A, step B, step C, step D. It is not so great for people who get obsessed about one particular thing. So for me, Um, before anybody was doing 3d graphics, I got really into Maya. Um, and anybody who knows that it's now called Autodesk. I was doing Maya; it's what they use for Lord of the Rings. I loved that. So as soon as I started doing that, I didn't want to do anything else. I was (laughs) obsessed with one thing and I would learn all of these amazing skills when I was free to do so in school. That's not how things happen. They don't allow individuals to follow their passions. You follow this protocol, this curriculum. And I think that is actually damaging in a lot of aspects. It's, again, the teachers are doing the best they can. So are the parents. For parents at home, for siblings at home, if you have somebody that's really on edge all the time, they need those that structure and the patterns. What's the worst that can i mean if you actually try to work with those patterns you're just giving a gift you're making their life a little bit easier yes they can't have all of those patterns and they can work through them but they need time nothing can be taken care of instantaneously they need support they need love and they do need that consistent structure of um you know that you get from cognitive behavioral therapy and in my case I absolutely needed medication. So they had me try antidepressants. They had me try um, those, the antidepressants they were very cautious with because they were worried about bipolar. But they had tried uh, beta blockers. The only thing that ever worked was the diazepines. And I've mentioned this before in shows. It's a passion of mine that individuals and patients get the correct treatment without judgment and stigma. And there's so much stigma on all the medications to begin with. So when you're OCD, you don't wanna take a pill anyway. It's one more thing that you're not planning for, you don't want to. Then, so when somebody is desperate enough, they're willing to take a medication and then the doctor kind of hounds them. Or I've had experiences and this is a show I will be following up with about patient care. I've had doctors that have told me how horrible the medications I'm on are and how they're going to make me you know, lose my mind and get dementia. And I, you know, I'm, I stay well-researched. And so my very first question to them was, is there any direct proof? Is there a causation and correlation for benzodiazepines and stress or uh, benzodiazepines and dementia? No. There is none. And then I follow up with a secondary question to the doctor that was mean to me, right? I said, is there any direct correlation and causation for stress and dementia? Well, yeah, there absolutely is. So to me, I'm a huge, again, I went off on slight tangent because I'm really frustrated with some of the things I'm seeing in medical practice right now and how people are treated. Um, it's gotten better, but we have a long way to go. And for people who really deal with OCD and who have a a severe case, I would not call mine the most severe, but it is definitely a lot minor. It would be on a scale of zero to 10, probably an eight. It is very difficult for me, just day-to-day life. Every time I walk up and I leave the house and I go somewhere, it is a challenge. Every time I go to a store and try to choose something, it is a challenge. Um, This is something that a lot of people don't understand. So when I'm doing different things every day, it is absolutely traumatic for me. And no one understands that. They don't see underneath the surface. They don't get to see that. I don't talk about it because why would I? But every time, so if somebody says, hey, you want to meet for coffee? And I go meet them for coffee. They don't understand that me waking up that day, me going to the coffee place, Me setting a timer, changing my schedule, literally took everything I had from that day. Everything, 100%. And then the next day comes, and I'm already drained from the previous day. And guess what life typically does? It throws you more of those. Oh, I
1: think the spiral is so difficult because when you go to bed and you expect to get up the next day and have everything smooth and it isn't. That's so difficult and I see that with our little ones. I mean, it has if we can get up and we can reset everything and have a perfect start to the morning, we can almost make it. But it's well, hard.
0: And, you know, you you said like, you know, a perfect start to the day. It's almost never going to happen that way. But what what I like to tell people to do is set things up for success, give the highest probability of success for your child, your loved ones, your sibling, so that they start their day off the right way. A lot of these patterns can be adjusted and a lot of it, and and by the way, this is not just for OCD, this is for any mental health issue. If you have somebody that loves you, that's literally, probably the only thing you need. You need somebody that loves you and accepts you exactly as you are. And I like that. That is the most freeing thing in the world. And so if you have a child that comes home and they're in tears because everything went wrong in their day, you don't have to tell them all the things that went right. What you can do is just listen and then simply offer, can I help what can I do? Empathy is something, and empathy and compassion are two of the most powerful tools any parent or sibling or loved one can use. You don't have to give advice. You don't have to relate to them. You don't have to say, I understand, especially if you don't. The key thing is saying, I am here for you. You are just perfect as you are. There's always room for us to become a better and more perfect version of ourselves. But the moment we see ourselves as flawed, we've already lost. So you need to see yourself as perfect as you are. It's okay if you see roadblocks ahead, some challenges. Those are easy things to deal with in terms of if you're prepared. There are hard things to deal with if you're expecting everything to flow all the time. So um, some tips for things that would have helped me. One Definitely let your child know a week or two in advance if they're going to have to do something. And I know this sounds silly, but put it on a calendar, put it in big words. If they have a doctor's appointment, make sure they see it. Remind them of it each day. The night before, tell them as well. Set that day up so that it is successful. Is a change in the pattern. You may see no need to tell anybody at all. You may not care if you have a dentist appointment that day. But if somebody has OCD, I guarantee you they care about every second. Every second is invested and mentally calculated. So I agree that, and I know that you now do that with me, which is super helpful Um, for vacations, or if you're going uh, away to someplace or you're taking somebody to a Christmas party, let them have, let them know it's okay if you're feeling overwhelmed come just tap me on the shoulder and we'll go step outside where there's no one around. We can breathe. Definitely what Jeffrey and I have mentioned before, I would also suggest. So if you're really feeling like overwhelmed and those compulsions are really kind of hitting you hard, what I would then suggest doing is, you know, slow either box breathing. There's a whole bunch of different breathing techniques, but one that Jeffrey and I are, talking about that no one else is. um, And one that I really like is blink breathing. So you're going to actually blink each second as you breathe inwards. And then same thing with the exhalation. So if you're doing like an eight second or four seconds in and eight seconds out, which is very common for those eight seconds that you're breathing in, you're going to blink eight times and then, or four times. And then as you breathe out for eight, you'll do it for eight. Um, It's, and, uh, I would be remiss if I left out, Jeffrey always tells people to also look up. If you look up, it seems to help alleviate stress. and which is interesting. A lot of it is what you'd mentioned before, trying to distract from the the instant pain and suffering that they're feeling, and then redirect towards something that's healthier and happier. It, it, at least, Telling them you're there to help them through it is probably going to be the biggest thing. So, I mean, I know there's a lot more to unpack about obsessive compulsive disorder. This is a a very important subject to me um, because it is so misunderstood and it is such a struggle to have at times. So um, they do come with a whole subset of wonderful gifts, pattern recognition. And we've talked about this in other things, all the neurodiverse individuals have some wonderful skill sets. If you can tap into those individuals before they go off to college, they have a shot of being able to deal with a system that does not take them into account. So for everyone listening right now, schools in college and in high school do not take into account ADHD, bipolar, OCD. If you are a completely neurodiverse and you think way differently, you're still gonna to have to follow the same steps as everyone else. So it, start helping them by, you know, being gentle, patient, and giving them tools early on so that they can function in a world that really isn't built for them. I still struggle to this day. I have built a lot of different tools and there are so many of them. So, you know, please seek some help. And also don't feel that any diagnosis is a death sentence. It's it's just information to empower you to heal. Um, Do you have anything that you'd like to add um, for this one?
1: I would say that was beautifully stated. I would not add a thing. I am honored to be with you. Thank you for your time and for including me.
0: Well, thank you for, for hopping on. And I know this is not an easy thing um, for you to have to talk about some of the things you went through with me. So, you know, we'll we'll probably have you back on um, for a couple other shows as well. But thank you. And to all the people out there that are stressed or frustrated, and um, I'm talking about both the individual and the family members that care, just be gentle, love each other, and understand um, things will work out. But the only way you work things out is as a team together and with honestly, humility, grace, and empathy and compassion. Otherwise, if you take a hard line approach, if you try to beat um, this out of somebody, it's it it doesn't work. So always choose love. It's a much better tool. So I'll end it with that. And, you know, thank you for all uh, for listening. We will back be back uh, next week um, with a new show. So thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a fabulous day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Gas to Cared Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with everyone you know. And definitely like, follow, and subscribe certainly leave a comment if you'd like let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time also in our show notes there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media as well as reach out to us directly thanks again and have a great day The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos Decured podcast are the speaker's own. All discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Chaos Decured podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Chaos Podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional.